Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. I was a missionary kid when I was growing up, and we lived in the rural country of Laos, which is sandwiched between China and Thailand and Vietnam. And part of where we lived was in northern Laos, which was part of the Ho Chi Minh Trail coming down from China into Vietnam. And part of living there, it was so rural that me, my parents, and my brother, and our translator were the only English speakers for like 300 miles. Yes, it was very isolated. Part of living in Laos, it's a Buddhist country, and there's something about Buddhism and other religions around the world that draws a spiritual seeker's heart, that people get hungry to know their place in life and to know who God is, and so they'll backpack through these rural countries, and they think they'll find it in Buddhism. So it wasn't, you know, we met a lot of people from Europe and from Australia and from all over the world who would come and backpack through Laos seeking truth. And we were in rural Laos, so five English speakers in in all of northern Laos. And we are sitting in our outdoor living room because that's what we did in those days. And we were sitting there and there was a guy who came by our living room and his name was Fred. And he was... God bless him. He was an odd duck. He, <laughs> very tall and lanky, and he wore a black Holocaust cloak that went all the way down to the ground and all black. And he had hairy ears, so hairy that he'd comb it back into his hair. And he told us, he said, I'm on a spiritual journey. And we're like, really, Fred, it's so nice to meet you. Yes, I'm here to find truth. And my five foot one mom looked up at the six foot two man and said, Fred, you traveled all this way through a Buddhist country of people who don't even speak English and you came to the one English-speaking house who will tell you the truth about who Jesus is and how to find God. (laughs) And the coincidence of that brings me to our series, Serendipity. Serendipity means a happy occurrence by chance that brings about something good. But as we all know, serendipity to the Lord means so much more. Last week, uh, Dan defined serendipity for us as the adventure of the unexpected path leading to unexpected treasure. And we looked at Acts 1, 7, and 8. And Jesus said, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And as we're following Jesus, we can be assured that as his followers, that God's sovereignty has a powerful play in those serendipitous moments because God alone is sovereign. He is the supreme power who knows every path and hid every treasure. 
We are called to live spirit-led, serendipitous lives submitted to God's sovereignty. I want to read that again. We are called to live spirit-led, serendipitous lives submitted to God's sovereignty. Tonight, we're going to take a, a brief journey. All this month, actually, we're taking a journey through the book of Acts to see those serendipitous moments that God writes about in the Bible of how the apostles and the disciples happened upon people who are hungry for God. And tonight, we're going to focus on people who have a natural spiritual curiosity about God. I'd like to invite some friends of ours. Uh, Jeff and Catherine Winkleman are here. Can we give them a round of applause as they come up, please? So our friends are um, the campus pastors at UWM-Milwaukee, and they are, um, they're personal friends of ours, but they're also missionaries that our church supports uh, because they're missionaries to our college-age students, um, our young adults. And so they're here to talk to us tonight about how God uses that natural curiosity um, to build his kingdom. And so will you tell us a little bit about what you do? Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you, uh, Oak Creek, for supporting us so we can do what we do. Um, do you want to talk yeah. about us? So if you, so we, yeah, we're here, we've been here in Milwaukee for, this is our sixth year. Um, we pioneered Chi Alpha at UWM. Um, and if you don't know much about Chi Alpha, it's part of the Assemblies of God. Um, and the name comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, where Paul says, now, now that we're new in Christ, we've been given this ministry of reconciliation that we are his ambassadors, his sent ones to go and represent Christ and implore people, we beg people <laughs> to be reconciled to God. So we, we embody that, that, that DNA, that heart of we want to go to the university campuses, these places that are um, maybe not presenting the gospel as well. And so we want to go and present the gospel as another part of this and help our um, students come alongside and, and grow in Christ. And how do, how do you do that? So your heart is to help, like, come along students and help them to grow in their knowledge of Jesus. What does that look like? Yeah, we talk about this idea of making disciples who make disciples. And, of course, we have large group. We have small groups. We have um, lots of different events. Um, but for us, it's so much it's the one-on-one -on -one relationship. So we are building relationships. We are building relationships with people, with students who came out of churches. Um, we recognize that churches and pastors and parents, you guys have poured into your students and taught them how to love and know Jesus, and then they go off to college, and we want to help be that next step so that when they don't go back to you at the end of the night, they're going to a dorm room that we can help continue what you've already taught. Um, but as we do that, we're also reaching students who never got to know Jesus growing up, and we're teaching our students who do love Jesus how to go out and also share Jesus. And we do that. We talk about this idea of every conversation leads to Jesus. We talk about how Jesus transforms us in the day-to-day -day conversations. And we, we spend a lot of time teaching our students how to live out their faith and the gospel in their classes in everyday life. That's great. So can you give us an example of how the Lord has used conversations with, with your students. So you, you said that you minister to uh, students who know Jesus, who have a foundation of Christianity and a foundation of faith. And then part of what you do is to reach new students who have never heard about Jesus or maybe they've heard about him, but they don't know a whole lot. So how do you use conversation to spark that curiosity in them? So one of the things, I mean, I met a couple guys this past year who 
were on this spiritual journey. Um, they had Christian backgrounds, um, but they were, they were asking all kinds of questions now, now that they were in college and, and trying to figure out what they believe. Is this true? Um, for us, it just, we, we love to just have conversations and do life with people, and they stumbled upon us because we had a mailer, and which was really cool, serendipitous, actually. Um, it was really exciting to see them kind of stumble into our group um, and start conversations. And it was this daily, w- weekly conversation with these two guys as they were processing their thoughts and questions um, that I was able to listen and impart maybe a little bit clearer picture of who God is. Um, and let them see, like, this is who he really is, and this is what it might look like to live with him, uh, live in Christ. And um, here's maybe I'm helping them kind of point out maybe some um, cultural baggage about Christianity that they've picked up along the way from our culture. Um, it says maybe, maybe that's not true, and kind of like help them sift through that kind of stuff. Um, there's so much questions our students have, and so like this daily life way of presenting the gospel for us is really helpful to just navigate the students who have lots of questions. Um, we just take our time and give them lots of room to ask lots of questions in our friendships. I think that questions can be scary sometimes. I mean, I don't know about you all, but sometimes if the Lord places on my heart, I want you to go talk to that person. My first reaction is, what if they ask me something I can't answer? And so I, you get questions all the time. How do you, how do you get past that, that feeling, that hindrance in you of, I don't know, inadequacy or intimidation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it is intimidating. Um, but one, realizing we don't need to know all the answers. Like, we are not the ones who need to defend God. And if he chooses to speak through us at that moment, like, we are so grateful for that. Um, but I am not the one. I cannot defend God. Like, God is big enough to defend himself. Um, not that we don't, like, the Bible talks about having a reason for why you believe what you be- believe, and we do we do teach that, but at the end of the day, like, God's the one who defends himself, and he graciously uses us, and I think a lot of it's being willing to be in those moments, being willing to deal with the questions, and trusting that the Lord will speak in those moments, being dependent on him, being quiet enough that we can hear him prompt us. And I think also, just having the patience or the the humility to say, I don't know, um, but let's, let's figure that out. And we can do that even together. I've done that right there on the spot and said, I don't know. Let's, let's look it up and go to some resources on our phones. And, and then in that process, I'm actually helping them um, learn how to, how to decipher questions and how to do it on their, on their own. So um, that's another part of it. That's awesome. And so you're able to turn those questions into like a discipling opportunity to help them to grow in knowing how to study the Word of God and how to seek God. That's great. Um, and so, and we had talked earlier about how people can ask really hard questions, um, but your perspective on questions that are difficult um, can lead to something more. Will you explain yeah, to them what you said? Absolutely. So we, we had a student this past year. She grew up in the church. She loved Jesus. Um, but really, she kind of had a love-hate relationship with Jesus. Like, she, she loved Jesus. She maybe didn't like God. She... Um, believed in God, but was just kind of like, why are you the way that you are? Like, just really had her issues with God. And so um, her and I got connected, and she started asking questions and firing off question after question after question. And they were questions like, I can lay out the theological answer for why this, why this, why this. Um, But as I was doing that, like, there was resistance. Like, you could just kind of tell, or I could just kind of tell through the Holy Spirit's prompting, that it wasn't actually the answer she was looking for. Because I would answer a question 
but like it wasn't it wasn't what she was looking for. So I took that moment to stop and okay, Lord, like what are you doing? What is going on in the student's life? What what do I need to say? So I took some time. I listened. I think that's a huge thing with students asking questions. We feel defensive. We feel like they're going to walk away from Jesus if I don't give the right answer. But thank God we serve a big God. Um, but so I took that moment, like, God, what, what are you doing here? And I, I spent some time listening and listening to her questions. And as we dug deeper, so often when people are asking those deep questions or those like really hard questions, um, there's something deeper going on. So she was asking this question, why suffering? If there's a God, like if God is real, why suffering? But as we kept talking, as I kept listening, that's not the actual question she wanted the answer to. She didn't realize it, but underneath, she wanted to know if God was good. What is the heart of God? And so that's what we started. We put her question aside. Like, we will never fully adequately answer the question, why is there suffering in the world? But we started digging underneath, and it turned out like she had a lot of hurt in her past. There was a lot of suffering that she had dealt with. And so we started looking, what does the scripture say? Is God good? What is the heart of God? What is God's heart? Is he a loving God? And as we started looking into that, it was really awesome seeing her open up where she maybe still doesn't have the answer to some of these big questions, but she has a deeper trust as she's started to discover for herself the heart of God. And so often, like, the questions are just kind of covering up what's going on underneath. I like what you said um, in your discussion of of that story, Um, is that you talked about she was asking these really hard questions and you felt the Holy Spirit prompting you that there was something more under the surface. And I'm glad that you said that because we're talking about spirit-led conversations tonight. So how would you, how would you describe that process? Like how, how can we attune our ears better to God's spirit so we can be actively engaged with the Lord while we're in these conversations? Um, I mean, hearing from the Lord takes practice. Like, we feel like it shouldn't. We feel like if God wants to speak to us, he will, which is true. But like anything, it takes practice. And so the more time we spend in his word, like the Bible says, my sheep know my voice. The more time we spend in his word, the more we're going to be able to recognize his voice when he prompts us. I mean, not voice audibly. Um, And I think the other part of that is just taking the time to stop and listen. Even in our prayer time, just taking time to pause. God, do you want to say anything in this moment? And the more we practice that outside of these hard times, when these hard conversations come, it doesn't even have to be like an out loud thing. Like, I, I don't, if students are like asking hard questions about Jesus and don't believe in God, I don't say, okay, hold on, let me pray for a minute. But you just like quiet yourself for a minute. Like, okay, God, like, Speak through me, lead me, and see what he says in that moment. I think that ought to be, as Kathleen mentioned, this should be the way of, of life as a, as a believer, that we walk every day in this kind of posture of um, following Jesus, right? That's, that's what Jesus commands us to do is to follow him. And so that posture should be much more of regularly looking up and listening. And we should do that in every aspect of our lives. And so if we're practicing that, that, that muscle, that rhythm, that way of life, then I think in those moments when all of a sudden there's pressure, we don't necessarily feel the pressure so much because we've been following Jesus all day into this moment and we feel that we're trusting him in it and we can easily access, like look up to him like, oh yeah, I'm following you, Jesus. What do you think? You know, And it just kind of it helps our heart get in that posture, of that way of life. 
And so when we feel the Holy Spirit drawing us in those conversations, we've been in the habit of listening to the Lord, so we might not feel like we're jumping into the deep end, right, all at once. Can you think of a time in your life that you made that leap, like where you'd been following the voice of God, and and then you started to recognize that His Spirit was leading you in a certain direction? I think of, um, I I spend a good amount of time um, with students, particularly female students who have been hurt by different past events. And I feel like that's a very common place where, man, I need God. (laughs) Because these experiences are hard to deal with. You're looking at depression, anxiety, trauma, things like that. And I'm just always amazed in those moments. Um, I have times, I was sitting with a student Um, She was a regular student. Um, I was sitting and we were praying and I always take time when I pray for someone like, God, what do you have for this person? And I felt like he showed me a picture and it was kind of like an odd picture and very like a little dramatic, but, um, and I didn't quite know what it meant, but I was like, okay, you know, take this before the Lord, see what you think. But this is what I'm seeing right now and I think it's from God. And she was like, I am such a visual person. Pictures are like the best way to communicate to me, and that is so awesome. And it was just just a testament that God not only could speak to me, but knew what she needed to hear in that. And I think moments like that um, are really cool. And it takes courage to take to be like, okay, I'm I'm thinking this, and now I'm going to say this out loud, and hopefully this makes sense. Yeah, um, and so. How have you used um, curiosity and wonder to spark a conversation about Jesus? Um, so I, this is something we teach. We teach our students um, to do this as well. A lot of people think like, oh, you're pastors. Of course you can do this. But like we really, we're passionate about teaching those in our group to do this. And so two very quick examples. Um, we had a staff member uh, welcome week on campus, and she saw an international student um, who looked a little just kind of like lonely, and so went up and said hi and started talking to her. And um, she comes from a country that is very atheist country, um, does not believe in God, like doesn't really, wouldn't have even heard hardly about Jesus. Um, but started talking with her, invited her to one of our events, and this, this student shows up and brings a couple friends, and um, she she says to us at one point during the night, I heard that when you come to America, you have to study the Bible. Can you help me do that? Yeah, like she didn't know we were a Christian group. Like she just thought all Americans were Christian. She could have asked that to anybody, and she asked that of us because our student started a conversation. And another brief story, we have a student, um, her friends know she's a Christian, and she was working on homework with a classmate who um, just out of the blue one day goes, you're smart, why are you a Christian? Um, and for her, that was it. It was not a defensive moment. Like I have to defend my faith. She was like, "I get to talk about my faith. Like this is great." And so I think things like that. I mentioned this earlier. There's these two guys that I met this past year in COVID. Um, the the way we met them was really cool because they were Christian kids who walked away from faith and and but they started rooming together. They transferred to UWM and they just had a conversation about faith one day which sparked them for some reason to go down to their mailbox and check their mailbox randomly. It just happened to be the day that our mailer, that Chi Alpha invitation was in their mailbox. And so they just like decided to check us out. It was a Wednesday and the Wednesday night we have our Chi Alpha service. So I just all like the, the moment of it was so supernatural. Um, and they came and, and I got connected with them and, and it sparked this conversation of their 
questions. And they were so, and, and just the fact of how it happened brought so much curiosity to them. That opened the door for us to have more and more conversations um, over euros and over coffee and um, any, any place that we could where we, they'd bring on, the, and it was funny because we'd start our meetings and I'd do you know, a little bit of small talk, like, hey, how was, how was your week? How are things? And then after like two questions, they're like, okay, I have a question for you. And they just jump into this theological question. What about this? Why do Christians do this? And it was like immediately the switch happened, you know? And it was so fun to see them like just, they wanted to know what Jesus is all about. And it was so fun to walk with them in that. And I think sometimes curiosity comes across, we see it as curiosity, but I think sometimes curiosity comes across in a very harsh way. And so I think it's being willing to look through, being able to look through what seems abrasive, what seems harsh, and realize like these, maybe their questions are not like, maybe this isn't the most fun, but there is curiosity and wonder underneath that, even if they don't realize it. And I know that we're talking a lot about college students, which... I'm not very far from the college student ends, but you know. <laughs> Never mind, I can't lie in church. Um, shouldn't lie anywhere, because I am the church. <laughs> Our students think we're so old. We can bring this home to us, no matter what phase of life we're in, no matter who we're talking to, whether we're talking to a peer or a neighbor or a coworker or our grandparents about Jesus, that curiosity can be um, an intimidating thing because what if the question that we're asking we don't like the answer to? Or what if the question is too big to answer? That can be really intimidating um, and raise people's defenses. And so I want you to try to bring this into context of the people that God has placed in your path. And how can God um, use you to spark curiosity in the people that he's put you with? And so another question I'm wondering about is what do you do when you're sharing Jesus and um, the person you're talking to is like really defensive or, um, or they're almost like they have animosity toward you for being a Christian? Um, I think the biggest principle I, I really try to embody is um, honor. I, I really want to honor them and their questions. And so just asking simple why questions uh, has really helped me kind of disarm sometimes. Um, if, a question, if a student seems really like defensive about something, um, I mean, I had a student one time who just kind of seemed like on the edge of like being a part of Chi Alpha. He was a Christian kid, but like there was something about it. He just wasn't quite ready to jump into this God is a part of everything in my life, and I need to like really invest in, in investigate all these areas of Christianity and know it. You know, like it just was kind of seemed like I'm not sure about what's going on. Um, and so I, I asked a couple why questions, and and I found out what some of his interests were. And he was a film student, um, and he really loved film. And this was a few years ago when uh, Endgame was about to come out. And so uh, we were, we, I asked him about Marvel and if he liked Marvel, he liked Marvel, the MCU. And so we just kind of talked about that. And, and it, for me, it was like, there's 21 movies up to this one we're all kind of anticipating, right? But how many times have you like watched through the whole thing and like seen all the pieces of it and yet you can watch it again and say the overarching story and you can see these characters develop. And I tried to help him see like, there's a story within each of these, and then there's an overarching story. Sometimes, like, we can engage the Bible in the same way. We engage the story of God in this way. Like, sometimes we look at a book of the Bible, and I tried to, like, spark this curiosity of the Bible as story, and, and it's ongoing, and we get to participate in that. And it kind of, like, I saw his posture go from this to, like, 
kind of started to lean in a little bit, and he became, you know, really invested in a part of our community. I don't know if that was the thing, but it really helped, I think. It sounds like it, that what you were doing and you're honoring, you tried to get into his context to see where he was coming from, and then you used his perspective of living to introduce him to Jesus in a way that he was like, oh, well, I think I want to know more. And were you going to say something? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, along with that, listening is just such a huge thing. Like when people show animosity, like so often there's hurt there. Um, sometimes it's legit. Sometimes it's not. Like we love the church. Like we think the church is awesome and um, we'll never bash the church. But we also know if people have hurts from churches, you know, and from people. And so often we want to get defensive. Like, no, that's not like it's this, this. But like, honestly, sometimes those people just, they want to be heard. You know, like, I, we've all, I've been hurt by the church, and I'm thankful for the people who said, I'm sorry, let's look to Jesus. And I think so much of it is being willing to find out where they are. Um, we can't, you know, we, we take this approach, like, wherever people are, our job is to help them take one step closer to Jesus. And we can't help them take that one step closer if we don't take the time to know where they are. Um, we shared this in our morning life together group too, is in education, there's, um, there's two types of brain. And in elementary school lingo, there's the rock brain and there's the spongy brain. And the best learner has a spongy brain. There's a flexibility in thinking. And that's really great. And kids are great at having spongy brains because they know that's their job is to learn. They don't know everything. And so we all started off there too. Do you remember those days of learning how to walk and ride a bike and getting back up and doing it again and again and again and again? Um, and so as we get older, something funny happens is that our spongy learning brains get harder and harder and harder because we get used to life and we get used to the answers that we know. Um, but the Lord wants us to have a continual curiosity about who he is. God says that you will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. This is a continual coming to God with questions. I think a lot of times we're scared by questions because we feel like we have to have the answers. But the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, there's over 3,200 questions written in Scripture. All of the book of Job is Job asking God's, God questions, and when God responds, he answers Job with questions and reveals who he is to Job. We see Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, not with answers, but with questions and curiosity, and Jesus is able to reveal to him the kingdom of God. And so questions are not a bad thing. Uh, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that God has put eternity in the hearts of mankind. And as spirit-led believers, we want to be a part of that pathway process for people to find those people who have eternity in their heart and are seeking God, and we can be placed in that path at just the right time. Uh, the Winkelmans are going to share a passage with us from Acts um, where we can see this happening. Um, if you would like to turn to Acts chapter 8, and it's also going to be on the screen. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kendake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 
The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you were reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is a passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some washer and the eunuch said, look, here is washer. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the washer and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the washer, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So a little bit of context here. Um, The book of Acts, so you guys have talked about the book of Acts last week, so um, are familiar with the context in 1.8, which is essentially a plot summary of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit leading and guiding people over and over again. But here what we have, if you look earlier in chapter 8, you see God is doing awesome things in Samaria. We see um, revivals start to happen, people getting saved. We see a specific story with Simon the sorcerer, who um, that whole encounter, which is fun. But it's right as things start to get interesting and the apostles are sending people that God calls Philip to leave. Not only to leave, but to go to the desert. So because of the Spirit's leading, Philip is leaving what seems like a move of God to go to the desert. And I think his obedience here is incredible. And then as you look further on, he's going up to this Ethiopian eunuch who it says here is a very important person, and yet Philip still obeys the Spirit's leading here. And I love love this passage. This is is really fun this week as we were, as I was uh, writing stuff and we were talking about this. um, I was really enjoying this and was reminded of the need for us to be students of the Word. Um, and tonight, I want us to in, in, engage our Bibles as students of the Word, whether it's really familiar or not. Um, and as we remi- are reminded of the context here of, of where we are in the story of Acts, um, uh, the Spirit is equipping the body. The Spirit is, is now, he's, been, he's equipped the apostles, um, but now we have Philip and the others who the Spirit is now sending as well. So we have uh, multi-generational uh, movements here that the Spirit is sending out more and more people of, uh, as the story, the lineage con- continues on. And he's going to send more and we get to be a part of that, that progression of the Spirit calling us to participate. And I love seeing that. So we've moved from just the apostles working. Now it's Philip also and it's going to continue on and further and further and further. So we have that piece going for us. And we also see that this gospel is now spreading to non-Jews. This is an Ethiopian um, who is now receiving uh, the gospel. Um, and that's really a, a critical piece of the entire book of Acts to help us get a, a, a basic understanding of where this gospel is going and what uh, the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish. Uh, the ends of the earth, right? So here we see this progression happening. Um, the gospel is spreading to even Ethiopians, Um, and obviously we're going to see that continue on. Um, And again, thankfully we get to be a part of to the ends of the earth, right? 
Um, we also see that this is not Philip conjuring up something on his own accord, right? As Catherine has already mentioned, uh, he was a part of a move of God in, um, in Samaria, and now it's the Spirit who is now telling him to go somewhere else. Um, one of the questions that uh, Mandy and, and Dan prompted us was to ask, like, uh, does God miraculously lead us to other people? And here we see very clearly, yes, yes, the Holy Spirit is prompting Philip to go. He's sending Philip out into the desert to encounter someone. He doesn't know exactly what he's going to encounter. He just, the Spirit just says, go, to, go out of the desert. If all, go on this road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Um, and so he goes, and it says, along the way, he meets someone. Um, there's nothing supernatural about that. He just, along the way, he meets someone. Verse 29 clears up how that happened. The Holy Spirit said, go stand by that chariot. You see, there's a chariot over there. Go stand there. Right? We don't see any other supernatural activity here. There's no other signs and wonders. It's just Philip hearing the Spirit tell him where to go. And the Holy Spirit is positioning Philip. And if anything, I hope you hear that element of this um, this evening. That as we obey the Spirit, what he, he wants to position us. Right? He wants to lead us into a position where we might be able to encounter someone else. Even an important person on the road, right? <laughs> Here we have Philip. He is positioned by the Holy Spirit beside a chariot. And from that point on, he overhears this guy reading Scripture. And he would have been very familiar with Isaiah. Um, but I, I, love, I love how he engages, right? It's not just, oh, let me tell you about that. Um, Philip asks a question, doesn't he? And we've been talking already about asking questions. This is a really important way in how we engage people, especially people who are on a spiritual journey, that this engaging them in questions is really helpful in disarming the moment and, and stepping in with humility and helping us listen um, because we don't always have the answers. And by the way, uh, if you've read Isaiah, you probably have lots of questions yourself, right? It's, sometimes it's a confusing book and it takes rereading and commentary sometimes to understand. And so this seems like a very logical thing to do. Do you, do you understand what you're reading? <laughs> Philip asks. Um, and he's like, how can I, right? And then he invites him in and, and, uh, and wants to learn, which is from this point on, it's just as divine opportunity that, the, that God has ordained and set up. It all happened because Philip obeyed. The Spirit gave him direction and positioned him, and Philip obeyed. And when the opportunity came, he was aware enough to, with honor and curiosity, ask someone, do you understand? And we can have that same kind of posture um, as we go about uh, our walk and our daily life um, and, and I think part of this is also knowing how to care for people well in this, right? It's not just doing my duty as a follower of Jesus, although sometimes simply obey is, is it. But there's, there's something here about how he's, he so compassionately cares about the Ethiopian eunuch and wants to walk with him in it and shares the gospel. Um, and then it leads to them being baptized and a life changed, and, and he's praising God afterwards. Um, but I think after as we're examining this and examining how do we apply this into our own life, asking how, how do we view the people we meet on the road? How, what's our heart's perspective when we encounter someone 
who is not in the same place we are, spiritually speaking. But maybe they're on a journey. Maybe we, we haven't even in, 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 uh, uh, given ourselves room to uh, learn about where they're at, right? Like, where is our heart when we encounter someone? Because as we're following Jesus, as, as we're being led by the Spirit, hopefully what's also happening is he's softening our heart and helping us carry his heart of love and compassion for those we will meet along the way. It's not just, I'm following God, I got to do what he says, and yeah, he wants me to love this person, and yeah, I, I got to tell him the gospel. Is, But there's this, uh, you, the analogy you use of flexible brain and hard brain all, also sounds like uh, the, the way the Bible talks about our hearts, you know? He wants us to have a, a soft heart, not a hard heart. Um, and sometimes in, our, in the way we think about the people we encounter, do we have a soft heart towards them or do we have a hard heart? And I know, I know when we encounter college students, if we came across when some in, in rigidity and with a hardness about how we answer our questions, we would push more and more away. But having a softness invites more questions and invites relationship and invites more opportunities of, of showing compassion and care, and I think better demonstrates the heart of God in that way. Yeah. Um, so, so if anything, in kind of summary, my hope here is, is that you'd see that this progression is we are being led by the Spirit, and the Spirit is ordaining it, but He's positioning us, right? He's not doing, sometimes He does supernatural crazy things, but sometimes all He wants us to do is position us. And will we listen, and will we obey and be waiting for the opportunity when, when we see it. We'll be listening for that, you know? Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I love that story, too. And I, I love the thought about positioning our hearts to be flexible when the Spirit leads us to have a soft heart to be able to receive the people God's calling us to. Um, I'm going to, we didn't do this this morning, but would you both be willing to pray for us tonight? God has gifted you with the... Um, just the know-how, how to reach people with their questions and their curiosity. And would you pray that you, God would help us to minister in the same way? Jesus, I thank you so much for this group of people, a group of people who are here, not just for themselves, but to learn from you. I thank you for the openness. So often, Lord, when we, we feel that our hearts aren't open, sometimes we feel that our hearts are closed, close to you, close to others, close to questions even recognizing that as a slight opening of our hearts to you. And God, I pray that you will continue to open our hearts. God, I pray uh, specifically for any fears, for any fears here in dealing with questions and dealing with people who think differently than us. God, you are a big God. You are so much bigger and stronger and more powerful than we are and than we even know that you are. And God, I pray that you will help us to remember that. Help us to depend on you, that as you guide us, you don't guide us to a situation just to pull back your hands and let us fail. You guide us to a situation so that you can speak through us, so that you can use us, so that you can continue to guide us. I pray that we will become a people who are no longer dependent on ourselves and our strength, but we are dependent on you and what you want to do through us so that we cannot boast in our own strength, but only in yours. Help us to, to, to grow in, in your heart for the world. Um, help us to grow in sensitivity to your heart, sensitivity to your leading, um, that our, our daily rhythms, we'd make more room for you, um, that you would help us grow in, in humility, that our world wouldn't center around ourselves, but we'd say more of you, less of me. 
you must increase, I must decrease. Help us to position ourselves um, in your way. Uh, help all of us to continue to obey as well. We'd know how to check our hearts. We'd know how to step in faith. We'd know how uh, uh, to listen well. We'd know how to act and not just say the words, but we'd do the words too, that we would walk in step with you, Holy Spirit. Um, help us to grow in that. Um, help us to know how to practically apply all of this. Um, and help us to remember that all of this, we can remember the fact that you are working on a level that we cannot see. As Mandy has already mentioned, Job, that you, you display to Job, you're the God who is who's infinitely wise, and you're doing something so much greater than we could possibly imagine, and we just get to participate in this little story. Jesus, would you help us understand that we are an integral part of your story, but you are doing something far grander, and sometimes we get the privilege of, of engaging in this greater story and recognizing you're working on people's lives we never would have imagined. Help us, Lord, to remember that, that you are the, the God of infinite wisdom. You're the God of incredible story, and we get to participate with you. Use us, Lord. Help us to learn uh, to be obedient in that and be flexible as we follow you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for Oak Creek, and thank you for Life Together. Um, bless this community as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.